welcome to The Mary Mack Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you find yourself in this entire world, I welcome you. Hello, my friend, my warrior. Are you doing better this week? Are you proud of yourself for conquering something that was holding you back? Please share it with us by commenting on the blog post for episode 46 on my site, marymac.info. We'd love to hear about your success. I'm certainly hoping that the episodes you have listened to thus far have been of help to you. Earlier in the year, I created several episodes about the emotional challenges we go through during our grieving process. Last week, we spoke about the physical challenges we can experience, and this week we'll look at the social challenges that occur for us. In addition to the death of our loved one, we can also experience the death or end of friendships, family relationships, communities, property, jobs, and so much more. We'd like to believe that the people who were closest to us before we experienced our loved one's death would be sensitive to our needs and continue with our friendship just as before. We'd like to think the people at work would be caring and understanding to what has occurred and pick up the slack when we need to take off for the funeral planning. We'd like to feel like life will remain somewhat unchanged, except for the fact that the person you love isn't with you any longer. But the sad truth is, people's reaction to your bereavement may not be what you expect. People are wrapped up in their own lives and their own issues, their own personal pain and problems, so they don't have time to get involved with yours. They may promise you things and mean well, but in the end, they just have too much on their plate, and it's not always possible to help you with your pain when you need it and it can cause hurt feelings and disappointment, and you're left wondering why they aren't following through on their promises. But life gets in the way so many times, and we have to realize that often it's not that they didn't want to follow through, they just couldn't with all their other obligations. And add to that, their possible sense that what they promised was just too much work, and they also may not want to get involved with all your pain, tears, vetting, and other emotions that come up for you. And it's at times like this that we need to realize that in the past, we too personally offered to help someone and might have backed out for similar reasons. 
But now it's happening to you. And I realize it's painful. I realize you counted on them for something and they didn't come through. But you need to cut them some slack. My feeling on this is we have two choices. Either we get angry with them and harm the relationship, or let the upset go and keep the friendship. None of us is perfect. With all that's going on in the world, we can only handle so much stress. But that doesn't mean that we can't continue to ask for what we need, even if we get rejected. And I know the additional pain of rejection at such a sensitive time is hard to bear. I know that. The truth is, when someone we love dies, our circle of friends, sometimes family, diminishes. Many do not know what to do or say and aren't willing to subject themselves to your pain because it's too messy and complicated. There may be a good deal of our friends who have yet to experience a serious death of their own among their family and friends, or they have had their share and can't mentally deal with your problems right now. They may have attended the funeral, sent a card, even flowers, and you never heard from them again. Others who may be around you geographically, like your neighbors and your colleagues at work, may pay their respects at the beginning, but suddenly can't find the time to have lunch or coffee with you any longer for fear you might want to talk about your pain, and they just don't want to get involved with that. Because people avoid us, we suffer that rejection, either real or perceived. People just don't understand what you're going through, and we are unable to explain it ourselves. Other people want to help, but don't know what to do for us, and we are unable to communicate what it is we need from them. This makes everyone feel uncomfortable, and until you have a better grasp of exactly what will help you, it is best to simply communicate that to your family and friends. You might say, right now I just feel overwhelmingly confused. I feel sadness and pain. I don't know what you can do for me. Perhaps you can just be here in the house with me. We don't have to talk much. Just be here with me. Your presence will comfort me. And that may be just enough for now. We also can feel a sense of isolation and alienation, and we believe we need to find distractions from the intensity of our grief. We try to stay busy, we overcommit to activities, and become workaholics and volunteeraholics. Stay busy, do more, do more. We work later, we get up earlier, we try to stay away from our family. We try to do whatever it takes to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, as if somehow we're going to outrun this grief. But unfortunately, you will never outrun your grief. 
You can cause it to be delayed by all that action and all that busyness. But somewhere along the way, it will creep back into your life and you'll need to deal with it then. Take a step back and ask yourself, what exactly am I doing? What am I trying to accomplish by working so feverishly? By taking on more at work or more activities with friends? or even in cleaning projects in our home, so we don't have to deal with the world outside or anyone in it. Are we doing everything we can to keep ourselves out of the house, away from people? If this is you, you are running away from yourself, your pain, and your grief work. No matter how painful, you must slow down and allow yourself to feel this pain, and then you can begin to heal. One of the major complaints that I hear from adults who have lost adult siblings is that they often wonder why their grief is not as well respected as other types of grief. They've told me how friends and business colleagues dismiss the pain of losing a brother or sister. No one is really clear why this happens, but it does, and you are not alone. Most people seem to be more sympathetic to older widows who were with their husbands for decades and those who have lost parents or children. So as a result, many of us who haven't experienced what others consider to be the more severe type of loss are not respected for the feelings that you do have when you've lost an adult sibling, or an aunt who meant everything to you, or a godmother who cared for you deeply. When you seek out bereavement support groups in your area that are aligned as much as possible to the type of grief you are experiencing, look for those who have similar stories as you, and then spend time together, and when you learn their story, you will feel validated. You may be accustomed to playing bridge with your spouse and your friends, but they don't call you any longer because they need even-numbered players, and you're now the odd one out. Also, when a widow or widower is bereaved, their friends can become nervous that you will become involved with their own husband or wife. Female friends forget to call, as they are now cautious that you might be attracted to their own husbands, or worse yet, their husbands might be attracted to you. If you experience the death of your spouse in latter years, you might now need to live with your children far away from the community you called home for decades. You feel uprooted. Your precious home is for sale, and the additional loss of your home and all its possessions, not long after your spouse's death, make it that much more difficult to bear. If you've been ill, you hate the fact that others need to care for you more than before. There is a reluctance to ask for help because of your determination to stay independent. There might be times when decisions are being made for you and you aren't communicating your needs adequately 
or you're just hurting so badly, you just go along and regret it later. If your spouse has died, it is the good intentions of your children to help their mom and dad by having them live with them or close by. But unfortunately, your needs and desires may not be fully considered. You have friends where you are, and you love the community you've lived in for decades. But you're trying to make everyone happy, and it just can't be done. Since you don't want to harm the relationship with your children, you might just go along with decisions they make or convince you to make on your behalf. All that can lead to underlying animosity and resentment, since your true desire is to remain independent. Communication here is key. Unless finances are a major concern, Try not to make any changes too soon after the funeral. We're not thinking clearly when we are under such shock and stress. Leave major decisions for a number of months down the road, even a year later. Everyone will be thinking more clearly by then, and you and your children will have the time to consider many more options than everyone thought were first available. And during this time, all grievers will start to see exactly who has your best interest at heart by how compassionate they are after your loved one has died, which family members are genuinely listening and are interested in your well-being and want what's best for you, who considers and listens to what you want. Families who have survived the homicide of a loved one frequently tell me how they are judged for the way that their loved one died. Somehow it was either the survivor's or the victim's fault. But it is neither. The fact is no one should be murdered, no matter what they do or where they lived or who they associated with. Victims are always someone's parent sibling, spouse, or child, and murder is an intentional act. Premeditation and killing another with malice. There is no accident here. Their families grieve and grieve deeply. They endure the suspicion of police because most murder victims are killed by someone they knew as well as the district attorneys, the countless hours working on the case, and the uncertainty of plea bargains and trials. They seek justice above all else. Remember, it is the murderer's fault. Even though family and friends and your business colleagues may disappear because they don't want to catch what you have, and maybe someone they love will be murdered. They'd rather let your relationship go than support you through the lengthy process of holding someone accountable for the murder of your loved one. Just remember, it is the murderer's fault. The blame belongs with them, only them. Similarly, families who have experienced a loved one's suicide can bear guilt over what they could have done differently 
even when they ultimately place responsibility on their loved one who sadly chose to end his or her life. There are other types of deaths where we impose our own shame for what happened. Drug overdoses, miscarriage, stillbirth, children who died of sudden infant death syndrome, or any other situations where others just love to make us feel so badly for the way our loved one died. Somehow, it had to be our fault. We should have done something. These and others are sensitive types of deaths, and we must remember that anyone who judges us doesn't need to be near us. It is up to us to rid ourselves of these people in our lives. It is your job to surround yourself with loving, kind, concerned, wonderful people who support you and help you move through your grieving process. They love you no matter what has happened, and those are the type of friends you need. Sometimes we'll take the time to tell the story, but most times we won't bother. Remember, people like that show their true colors, and you will quickly learn who your friends are when tragedy occurs. You shouldn't waste your precious energy on anyone's ignorant words or deeds. Just let it be. Work on yourself and your family's needs, because often no explanation will suffice, so don't even try. Instead, Spend time with people who want to ease your pain, because they understand. New friends you'll find who truly know how you feel. You will find them in a bereavement support group. So there will always be someone whose advice you can do without. Take the good and discard the rest. So now it's time to get up and dance, dance, dance. Wiggle and move your body even if it is in a sitting position. And I know you still think this is crazy, but please just do it for me anyway, okay? Thank you for listening in today. Remember to write five things in your journal each night that you are grateful for. Please subscribe to my podcast wherever you listen to me and share with those who may benefit from it. And if you would kindly support my podcast, you'll find info on my site, marymac.info, to do just that. And as always, remember to be happy because you deserve to. I'll speak with you again soon.